to opening night of the 2022-23 NHL season. What's better than this? Good luck to all players. Let's have a great season. What's better than this, hey? A bit of a cringy start to the season from uh, Chris Rooney. Ah, they're trying something. I'm not going to be too hard on them for it. Uh, welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. The Brunin Rashog, folks. Did you see the New York Rangers last night? You watch a game like that and you think Zibanejad for the heart, Truba for the Norris, Shesterkin for the Vesna, and the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup. Might be a little premature for that, but that is how good the New York Rangers looked in their season opener last night. Uh, we are going to do some predictions today. Darren Drager is going to check in. We love making predictions so that people can beat us over the head with them mercilessly when none of them are right. Uh, but it's fun at this time of year, right? So we will check in with Dregs and make some NHL predictions. We'll talk about Connor McDavid. Lots of discussion about whether or not he has 50 in his gun sights this year. It's certainly not a focus. you know. Okay, so he's not overly focused on it, but should he be? Uh, Austin Matthews is going to get 60 every year from here on out, right? Does McDavid need to score more to keep pace in the Hart Trophy conversation? We will discuss that. We'll make our cup final predictions. Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft is going to join Pierre Lebrun and I for a conversation. And we're going to debut what will be a smash hit game. I just know it. I can feel it. Called Red Card, Yellow Card, No Card. That involves our good friend Terry Ryan. When it comes to dressing at home for shinny hockey. Yeah, it's never going to be okay for an adult TR, but we'll let you make your case in a little bit. At Scott Burnside, we'll check in with straight to the point and ask the question, is it time for the Stanley Cup to come back north of the border again, finally? Welcome to Got Your Back, presented by Cross Country Canada supplies and rentals and cross country canada provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the canadian construction industry they're a truly canadian company this thing was launched by four buddies in a garage they had nothing but a folding table and a good idea back in 2014 well they've turned it into multiple locations across western canada over 100 employees they've expanded into all areas of the construction industry their company motto is get her done and it's proudly displayed on the walls in their offices, and they live by it. And they're a great company to work for. Here they were over Thanksgiving weekend, treating their employees to some fantastic grub. You gotta love it. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, the title sponsor here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. As we say, good morning to Pierre Lebrun and Darren Drager, fellas. What did you What did you make of the opening from uh, from Chris Rooney last night? Bit of a bit of a tough look. Yeah, I felt bad for him to be fair because you could tell he was just so adamant he wasn't going to screw it up. Yeah. So it was so rehearsed. So it it, it felt ridiculously contrived. Um, but I'm not putting that on Rooney. I'm putting that on the league. If you're going to do it. I mean, try something different, whatever. There's sure. no, no, no harm in any of that. I, I would like to have seen Wes McCauley, right? Yeah. Like, let's get it on. Something like that would have been better. Pierre, what do you figure, bud? Yeah, that's uh, off script, man. Off script next time. Just, <laughs> he just came up with his own welcome. And, you know, I've had it with Chris Rooney over the years. He's a, he's a pretty funny guy, actually. And, he uh, is. I'm sure his phone was lit up last night. Oh, for sure. I mean, keep it simple, right? Like, that was a lot of dialogue for him to remember. And as a guy that has to memorize stand-ups all the time, it's not easy, let alone live television. It's not what you yeah. normally do. Start of a hockey game. Did you guys hear, was it Hedman asking him later what he got paid for that? I think in, yeah. <laughs> he said not enough, yeah, not enough, whatever it was. What a game though, last night. Holy smokes. Yeah. As I was saying in the intro, that feels like one of those games where like Truba's going to win the Norris and Zibanejad's a shoe in for the heart and Shostak in the vet. Like their best players were phenomenal in that game last night. Yeah. And, and look, this happens with basically all teams when you make a significant trade, but you know, Ottawa Senators fans have got to be looking back at that Zibanejad trade and going, ooh, ooh yeah. that one was no good. Um, That's a look, different time for the Sens then, and Zibanejad has, has developed into uh, a terrific top-line center. You know, you can't expect him to deliver in the way that he did last night. I mean, power play penalty oh, kill. Those two he, shots. He, oh. he, he, he did it 
basically did it all himself. And the chemistry with Chris Kreider is, is off the charts. It, you know, it's one game, but I'm watching that game. And, you know, Vasilevsky doesn't stand on his head in the first period. It's, it's, it's more lopsided than it ended up being. But I'm like, look, I, I took Carolina to win the East on Monday in our preseason. Rethinking uh, it this show. morning? <laughs> nah, a little bit, <laughs> because good. that was what I chewed on. I was yeah. like, I'm looking at the New York Rangers, and I was in, in doing the research and thinking they're going to be really good this year. It's just the way that uh, Brenda Moore has that Carolina team playing. They're relentless on their attack every single shift. But I watched the Rangers last night, and I'm like, you know, if I had the mulligan on that one, I, I might rethink yeah. it and go with the Rangers. I, I actually, I mean, that was a decent game, uh, but I thought Vegas LA was on another level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I thought too. that team had some juice. Uh, I think, you know, L.A. came out really strong and, and Vegas obviously wins it late on Mark Stone's goal. And, um, you know, Mark Stone, if healthy this year, what a difference for that team. And uh, Huge. Eichel you know, off to a good start. Yeah. yeah, and that was one of those things. There's 82 games in the season. What does one game matter? But I think for Vegas, given sort of everything that's happened there, yeah. a big win over an L.A. team that's going to be in the mix again, right? They're going to yeah. be good. For sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, there's a player. Let me just quickly interject there because Chandler Stevenson, for me, is a centerman that doesn't get enough attention yeah. across the National Hockey League. You know, we we think of, oh, geez, Vegas has done this and Vegas has done that, but, you know, do they need to beef up what they've got in the middle? And, man, for the last three years, Guys are on that team say, look, Chandler Stevenson is way better than what most people realize, and he got rewarded in game one. 64 points last season, 21 goals. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, I'm not sure your mic is coming through like in your proper lav mic there. Ta give it a tap. We're just going to edit, edit on the fly here. So you mess around with that. I got to get it. I'm going to do an ad read here. So we'll, you have like 30 seconds to sort yourself out. But we're going to. This will take 60. <laughs> My ad read. Yeah. Uh, time for the breakdown brought to you by our good friends at Pro Hockey Life. And hockey fans, the regular season is now underway. No better time to get yourself outfitted with your favorite sweater, whether it's your favorite player's name and number, or even if you want to throw your own name on your team's jersey. Uh, Pro Hockey Life has an awesome selection of team apparel, and it doesn't end at jerseys. Also a wide range of hats, T-shirts, souvenirs, everything you need for yourself or for the huge hockey fan in your life. they got 16 locations across the country. Pro Hockey Life, like you, like us, is obsessed with the game, and we're thrilled to have them on board as sponsors. So I told Pierre to fix his mic, and he's gone now. Pierre Lebrun has left the chat. Uh, yeah. So this is so typical of LeBron. Well, so we is. do insider trading Tuesdays and Thursdays. This, like, it, it's amazing because the producers will say, hey, are we all good with that? <laughs> and before he even finishes the sentence, LeBron is gone. Yeah. He's like canceled out and he's gone. Pierre, you got yourself right, sorted. I'm back now. You're back? Yeah. And he, I got everything going here. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> Looking sharp. Uh, okay, guys. Today I want to start the conversation with. Uh, the biggest name in the game, frankly. I've heard so much discussion about Connor McDavid and whether or not the 50-goal mark is a spot he is going to get to for the first time in his career this year. You guys did it with your predictions the other night in our uh, preview show on TSN. And uh, everybody seems I to didn't. think... I wasn't on that. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Pounder <laughs> was in your spot. She did a great job. Um, uh, no, it's her spot, not my spot. <laughs> in that spot, we'll call it. Uh, so Pierre, you uh, so you haven't weighed in on it yet. What do you think, guys? Connor McDavid get to fifty goals this year? It's so funny how little I care about that. And and what I mean by that is that I think that I don't know that Connor McDavid cares about that. You know, you could tell when Connor McDavid talks since last year's playoffs, even before last year's playoffs, from from having been there. This reminds me of, a, of when Ovechkin got to this point in his career where it's like, I don't care about individual honors and awards and milestones. I want to win a cup so bad. And I feel like that's all I think about now with Connor McDavid. So, yeah, I'm sure he'd, it'd be a nice bonus to score 50. I think he can do it. He's the best player in the world. But does it really matter in his case? Yeah, I I don't think it does matter. I don't think he cares about it, but I do think that he scores 50. And I, you know, on that quiz, uh, I said there was a 70% chance. And, you know, Jeff O'Neill went 100. He went off the board. Yeah. He said there's a 100% chance. 
Uh, McDavid is going to score 50. And, and I understand his logic behind that because, you know, I think collectively we believe that the Edmonton Oilers are better. That doesn't mean that Connor McDavid, you know, is going to be better because he scores more goals. But he had 44 last year. Yep. Um, so he's he's nibbled at it. I just think because the team is better, it's more likely that he's going to get 50. But, you know, his eyes on the prize, and that has nothing to do with individual accolades. Shot 14% last year, just below his career average of 15%, and ended up with 44 goals. Let's hear from McDavid himself. It's certainly not a focus. You know, obviously, I'm always trying to grow my game and, and better my game, and um, scoring in this league is the hardest thing there is to do. Uh, there's some guys that got a knack for it, some guys that don't, and, and, and I got to kind of work for for mine. So, um, you know, I'm not, not going to look at numbers or anything like that. Obviously, it's more important to win games and, and, and help your team win and that's 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 all my focus is he's not gonna answer yes and i didn't ask him directly do you want to get 50 i asked him if he felt like he could push new totals this season uh, i'll tell you what i've seen you guys i think if Connor mcdavid had his eye set on 50 goals and that he was really going to push his goal scoring totals he'd have been working on that in the summer and he would have put a focus on it and we would have noticed something in exhibition season we would have noticed a bit more aggressiveness when it came to taking shots i didn't see mm -hmm. any of that there was none of that in preseason. He did not play the game with any more of a focus on getting his shot off and releasing pucks. And if I think that Connor McDavid had it in his brain as a stated goal to get there, we would have already noticed it. He's never had the goal-scoring prowess around him like he does now in Evander Kane. Uh, Zach Hyman's going to be there. Uh, he'll play some with Dreisaitl. I think he's going to be a set-up machine this year and work mm. to the strengths of the people around him. Pierre, you said you don't think it matters but if he wants to keep pace with Austin Matthews, who's a shoe-in for 60 every year now, does he not need to close the goal-scoring gap a little bit? Keep pace, what, points-wise? No, in the Hart Trophy, Hart -trophy, Hart -trophy conversation. Sorry, should have specified. Well, I, I didn't pick either one of those guys for my Hart Trophy pick this year. <laughs> so you're McCarr. asking the wrong guy. <laughs> well, I know, but you know what I'm saying. If McDavid wants to yeah. be in that race with him, does he need to up his goal total if Matthews is going to push 60-plus every year? Yeah, on the flip side, you know, Dregs and I are based here in Toronto. When people compare Austin Matthews to Connor McDavid, they flip the argument. They say, well, Austin Matthews, as he continues to be an unbelievable player, has to keep trying to find ways to be like McDavid, which is to, you know, produce more assists and 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 hit more different parts of his game like Connor McDavid does. So that <clears throat> argument goes back and forth between these two amazing players. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to steal uh, the thought or the philosophy of Daryl Sutter. Um, and he was asked not long ago uh, about the difference in his mind between Matthew Kachuk, who's now no longer, of course, with the Flames, and Tyler Toffoli. And, and Daryl answered in the only way that Daryl can answer. And it was just, yeah, well, one guy's won Stanley Cups, and that's Toffoli. So, if, if there's a measurement to be made at the end of this season, I think the only measure that matters to Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews is, okay, who, who went deeper into the playoffs? Right. And look, I mean, good luck trying to find a defined leader in this country, in Canada, for the most likely to win the Stanley Cup. Is it Calgary? Is it Edmonton? Could it possibly be Toronto? So there are good storylines, but again, I, I, I think McDavid is going to look back whenever he looks back and say, well, yeah, Austin Matthews scored a bazillion goals, but I won Stanley Cups if that happens. Yeah. The, the other question I have, and no one's talking about this one, can Leon Dreisaitl get 60? Guy had 55 last year. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Haven't heard that one out there much. Uh, you picked Kale McCarr to win the Hart Trophy, Pierre, which is uh, – that's interesting – I mean, best defenseman in the game. A lot of people feel that right now. Question I have for you on him. How many goals can he score? There have been two defensemen in the last 30 years that have put up 30 goal seasons. <clears throat> Mike Green and Hatcher. And <laughs> McCarr had 28 last season. So, you know, you think he can get to 30. How many points for him this year? Yeah, I think he can get the 30. That power play is unbelievable. Um, and one of the reasons I picked Kale McCarr uh, is because I'm pushing an agenda, which you guys know I like to do, which is that, and I criticize myself as part of this, uh, PHWA that votes for these awards, that a defenseman hasn't won the Hart Trophy since Chris Pronger in 2000. Seven-time Norris Trophy winner Nicholas Lidstrom, one of the greatest players ever to play this game, never won a Hart Trophy. 
And again, I'm, I'm including myself in the criticism here, but I'm amazed that at the time, this wasn't more of a topic of conversation. That somehow Nicholas Tripton win our trophy yeah. as the MVP when you consider what he meant to the Red Wings and, and where he was, uh, you know, as a player. So my point is that if Kale McCarr, who was the playoff MVP, we seem to have no problem voting for defensemen for playoff MVP when the hockey really matters, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens all the time. Uh, McCarr was the best player in the playoffs, perhaps not named Connor McDavid, but McCarr played the extra yeah. round. Um, I, I don't, you know, so can you do it in the regular season? Like, what, why can we view Makar that way over two months when it's actually the hockey that matters and not view Makar that way over 82 games if he continues on his plane? He wasn't even yeah. the highest scoring defenseman in the league last year. Go ahead, Dregs. No, no. I, I mean, he's in the conversation and, and there's no way of being critical of the game of Kale Makar and he and deservedly should be in that conversation. But I'm, I'm reminded of something that, thank God, the man's semi-retired. Steve Dryden used to remind me all the time in answering his ridiculous quiz questions of, hey, don't forget goals matter more. Yeah. And and that's just a fact. That's the way the game is played. The team that scores more goals wins, and the team that has more wins throughout the playoffs wins Stanley Cup. So with great respect to Kale McCarr, he can settle for the Norris for a while longer. <laughs> well, and that's exactly what's happened over the years is, is that the voters have looked at the Norris as – such an important trophy that that's what defensemen get. Yeah. They get the Norris, they don't get the heart. But, you know, name the defenseman that won the heart trophy before Chris Pronger in 2000. You guys yeah. get, you guys know who that was? No, it goes way back, right? Yeah. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Oh, wow. It went Bobby Orr in the 70s, Chris Pronger in 2000 for the heart we're talking about. And yeah. there hasn't been a defenseman win the heart since Pronger in 2000. Roman Yossi had Roman Yossi had 96 points last season. 23 goals in 96 points last season. Yeah. And, uh, and some people had Yossi on their heart ballot. Oh, he was on a lot of ballots, but yeah. probably not a yeah. legit threat to have won it with almost a hundred point season no. from yeah, a defenseman. Right. Dregs, did you weigh in with a heart? Uh, a heart? I'm going McDavid. Uh, 45, 8530 points, and McDavid wins the heart. What are you doing, Dregs, on the heart trophy? Yeah, I, I'm leaning that way too. And in fact. I'm kind of deflecting here a little bit, um, you know, on the Ray and Dregs podcast. I'm not sure you guys have heard of it. Um, Big fan. <laughs> Ferraro actually went uh, McDavid for the Hart and the Art Ross back oh. to back. Yeah. So I'm not sure he's going to uh, supplant Austin Matthews. I, 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 I'm I a believer in Toronto. For you mean Rocket Richard or Art Ross? Hmm? Rocket uh, Richard sorry, or Art Ross, yeah. So he, yeah, he said the Art Ross, not the Richard. Yeah. We didn't, I mean, we just, we're, I think we're assuming that Matthews is going to get 60 again. So mm-hmm. we'd skip by the uh, Richard. But no, I'm, I'm, I think McDavid for the heart is safe yeah. or fair. Lots of good young players coming into the league every year, but this year it just feels like there's, I don't know, more to watch. Uh, look at the race for the Calder and what it's going to look like. And sometimes it's hard to predict because you never know how these guys are going to do when the bullets start flying for real. Some might drop completely off. Uh, Who do you like, Dregs, uh, for Rookie of the Year this year? I I mean, there's the likes of Benares, Owen Power, McTavish, Slavkovsky, Sanderson, Johnson. I mean, there's there's a nice crop of rookies coming in. There is a nice crop. Um, I'm leaning towards Owen Power in Buffalo, and and largely because of his experience with Team Canada at the Men's Worlds, right? I mean, you know, he went on to that stage as a teenager and very, very quickly was playing top minutes for Team Canada. Uh, I mean, in a real difficult position. Uh, So then he goes back to, to Michigan for an extra year of seasoning. I have no reason to believe that he is not going to be very, very impactful. But <clears throat> I'm also, you know, intrigued by what Matty Beniers is going to do with the Seattle Kraken. So I, I'm not going to say it's a two-horse race because some of the names you mentioned, Ryan, those guys are all deserving, and we could probably add three or four into that mix. I think this Calder run for this group of rookies is going to be as intriguing and close as we've seen in a long, long time. I just I feel like Owen might have the edge going in. Yeah, I chose Owen Power in my piece in the Athletic yesterday for the Calder, and a lot of this was a lot of the same reasons that Dregs did. And interestingly enough, the same group of voters, the PHWA, while they won't recognize defensemen for the heart, 
they're actually pretty good at recognizing defensemen for the Calder over the years. You know, yeah. obviously we just had Cider in Detroit, who for sure to me was the right choice. It's so hard. And here, here's why I think it happens. I think we all agree uh, that it's so hard to break in on the blue line as a young as a youngster in the NHL. 100%. When you play big minutes and the matchups and everything else, that's why Cider was such an excellent choice uh, last season. And I think Power is going to be given those same type of opportunities, minutes-wise, et cetera. So I think that's why he's got an excellent chance. Aaron Ekblad won in 2015. <laughs> so that that's an award where the voters don't always get carried away with the offensive output of some forwards and give credence to what a young D has to go through in the NHL, which, I, which I'm glad to see. Think about Rasmus Dahlin, you know, breaking into the league, top pick. Yeah. Uh, took him a little bit, though. Now, it was with a Sabres yeah. team that was really struggling. We'll see how this year's group is. Does, you know, the quality of the Buffalo Sabres contribute to Owen Powers' candidacy? Uh, if it's a real tough year for them, can he, make, can he stand out in that situation enough? Well, they're going to Probably. be a better team, though, than, yeah, than they've yeah. been. Yeah. And he might play more meaningful minutes, too, right? You know, just depending. on you know, Kevin Adams would like to protect him a little bit more, and they do have some depth in that area. I, I'm with Pierre. I, I, I'm putting Buffalo in a grouping of teams that are, are going to make a significant stride this year. They're not going to be a playoff team, but that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a higher level of improvement. And and look, real quick, um, I want to throw a couple of dark horse t- uh, names in, uh, for, for the Calder. Um, if Minnesota is going to be good, and it looks like they should be, there's a lot weighing on goaltending, clearly. Uh, Marco Rossi, he's healthy. I think he's going to be solid. And I'd say the same about Winnipeg. Cole Perfetti is playing top six minutes, at least out of the gate. If he can stay healthy, that kid is so smart and talented, he could load up some points as well. Yeah, I might chuck Dylan Holloway onto that list too. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, not? he was as good a yeah. player as the Oilers had in, in exhibition, yeah. and he's starting on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and, uh, and Zach Hyman. So yeah. if, he can, if he can keep a foothold on that spot, he's going to pile up some points. Maybe a bit of a longer shot. I didn't hear him mentioned in many of the conversations around He's there. fast and strong, though, too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. the thing I noticed about him the other night that I didn't quite realize was the hockey sense. They played an exhibition yeah. game against a team that had mostly NHL defensemen in the lineup, and McDavid – or Dreisaitl and Hyman in the offensive zone, like they just they – get, they get going, and they make such smart plays. Yeah. And Holloway was making really, really high, high hockey, hockey yeah. IQ play – um, right there with him. So it'll be fun to watch him. I like Mason McTavish, though, guys. Looks like he's starting with Terry and Strom. Love the energy, love the enthusiasm. And I think Dallas Aikens mm-hmm. is going to let it fly with his young guys' dregs. Yeah. No, I, I, he has no choice, right? You know, they, they had such a strong start last year, um, and then they they tapered off the way many of us thought they would. So, you know, they, they've got to take that that next step this year. And the injection of Mason McDavish full-time, you know, we've all seen this young guy develop through the ranks. Um, you know, he plays on the World Junior team in August. You know why? Because he wanted, he decided he was playing on that team. Yep. Anaheim didn't think it was important for him to play there. I'm sure his representatives thought, you know what, why are you doing Why that? risk like, the injury? And yeah. yeah, you're risking. You don't have anything to prove internationally. He's like, are you, look, I'm not, I'm going to be skating somewhere. I might as well skate on the world stage and play a high level of hockey. This kid is just so wired to compete. So that was an oversight on our part, not including him. Yep. Uh, hot seats. I know this is your guys' favorite, talking about who might be on the hot seat. I mean, we'll focus on the Canadian markets here and different different reasons to be on the hot seat. I'll list off some candidates. You guys can throw some in if you want. And then I'll ask you who you put a focus on uh, hot seat wise for you in Edmonton. I think Darnell Nurse needs to have a massive year, new contract, and this team needs to defend. Darnell Nurse is at the center of that. You know, Elijah Pedersen out in Vancouver, they're looking for consistency and a step from him. Uh, Calgary, maybe Markstrom, real good during the regular season, but in the playoffs, eh, it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, Winnipeg, maybe it's Chevy. Uh, Kyle Dubas in Toronto. We all know what that team is facing. DJ Smith, maybe in Ottawa and Montreal. I'm not sure. Sean Monaghan, maybe trying to resurrect his career. Uh, of those names or others out there, Dregs, who do you look at and think they're sitting on a hot seat and there's real significant uh, pressure and focus on? 
Yeah, I, I, well, I feel like we've missed the most obvious, and that's Bruce Boudreau, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Very um, good. Yep. You know, he's in the final year of his deal. Um, there was a lot of noise around why he wasn't extended. Why didn't Vancouver pick up the option as quickly? All of that stuff, right? Um, we know Bruce is an excellent coach, but we also know and hear that there are some shortcomings. Um, you know, I think management would love for that team and feel like that team needs to play with more structure than what they play with, especially when you look at the defense of the Vancouver Canucks. So I, I felt like he was maybe a bit too obvious, which is why you didn't list him. But but for me, he's he's got a pretty hot seat, the hottest of the coaches in Canada for me. Um, and I'm going to throw a goalie into the mix. I mean, you put Markstrom out there. I, I think Jack Campbell's seat is as hot as any. I, I think he's good. Um, but why did Toronto walk away from him? Like what like what didn't the Maple Leafs see that is magically magically going to appear in the crease in, in Edmonton? So for me, it's more of the hurdles that Jack has to overcome. Um, let's see how he plays when he's 85%, right? When the health isn't quite there, can he push through? Because Edmonton's going to Skinner is 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 a real good backup. He's going to play meaningful games for the Oilers, but I feel like when the pressure starts to mount later in the season, maybe in the playoffs, that's where Jack needs to step up. See, I think Jack Campbell is going to be terrific this year and probably next. I think the concern drags, and it's probably why the Leafs didn't go down this road, is five years. I mean, I think it. I think it's the length of the deal and how that deal ages, but. The Oilers can care less if it somehow leads to a standing cup over the next <laughs> yeah. couple of years. A uh, couple of hot seat guys for me. One is Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg. What's his future look like? Where's his commitment level to the Jets long-term or not? Uh, does he get dealt? What's Montreal's interest still in that player? I think they do have interest. So that's to me, is in a hot seat situation for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And another one is Brendan Gallagher in Montreal. I, I, I mean, he, he's got a pretty sizable contract. Last year was a real disappointment for him. No one's hard on Brendan Gallagher than Brendan Gallagher. But I think him returning to his his sort of pest level where he's making that difference, you know, maybe getting 20 to 25 goals, I think that's going to be important to him to sort of validate the contract that he's under. Yeah, for me, it's Kyle Dubas. I think we all saw what happened with the contract or what didn't happen with the contract. Uh, well, I assume we couldn't name him because he already did. So I didn't realize. Oh, I, no, I no. Have to pick other guys. <laughs> no, I was just throwing out <laughs> a right. list of potentials for you just for you okay. to pick from. But no, no, I, well, I like the sure fact. he's facing the most pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, ton, tons of pressure there. Everybody knows the expectation level on this team. There's nothing you can do about it the entire regular season because it really starts in the playoffs. But uh, if the Maple Leafs don't get off to a great start and if they're not exactly where they need to be come Christmas time, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the way that it plays out this season. So lots of hot seats across Canada. Uh, let's get to our Stanley Cup final picks. Uh, Dregs, who do you have in the Cup final? You alluded to it a little bit earlier. Carolina. I'll give you a chance to change that if you want. I won't chirp you too no. hard if you change that this morning. No, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be that guy. Okay. Um, so I, I went Toronto, Carolina in the East. And as I talked about earlier, I... I did stew over it because I, I have a lot of time for the New York Rangers. And I also feel like I'm probably overselling the Maple Leafs. Um, their, their failures well-documented in the playoffs also matter. But I, I feel like the scar tissue and the maturity of that core group of stars. Um, but Carolina beats Toronto in the East. I have Edmonton and Colorado in the West. Um, it took a bit of heat of that uh, on that in the uh, preview show because most – feel like the Battle of Alberta is going to sway the way of the Calgary Flames? Yeah. I'm not so sure. I mean, there's been so much change in Calgary. I loved what I saw in Edmonton last year, but I don't think Edmonton can get past Colorado. And everybody keeps talking about Colorado's goaltending and whatnot. Colorado went through peaks and valleys with their goaltending last year, obviously so in the postseason. I, I think Colorado wins back-to-back. Yeah, I went for a repeat of, of the cup final. I want to see Tampa and Colorado again. Uh, hmm. that, that, thing, that was the best cup final I've covered in 28 years in my career and in terms of the quality of the hockey. And I'd love to see it again. It reminds me of when we had Pittsburgh-Detroit go back-to-back in 08 and 09 and how the drama that involved having a repeat final set those two years. It was some wonderful hockey. And I think there's a chance of that happening again. But... 
you know, that's a contrarian pick. I think most people expect Tampa to, to, to go down a notch a bit this year because of their defections. Mm. You know, I like Carolina a lot. In fact, I have a piece on the Hurricanes out in the Athletic today in my chat with Don Waddell. They've done all they can to prepare this team for a cup run. It still comes down to me is, you know, what version of Freddie Anderson next spring is there for Carolina? Uh, you know, yeah. they yeah. need him healthy. They need him uh, in a place where that regular season success travels into the playoffs. And I don't think you can just brush that aside and say, well, yeah, that's not an issue. Well, okay, then let's see it. And, and so if they get that goaltending, then, you know, uh, I think you might be right, Dregs, with Carolina. I have Travis Sanheim and the Edmonton Oilers versus the New York Rangers in the Stanley Cup final. And it's hard as the Edmonton guy, like picking the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. It's, I don't know, for some reason, fundamentally, I just, I can't get there in my own head. So I'll pick the Rangers. But if the Oilers pick up a real quality left shot defenseman, which is what this team needs to get over the hump, uh, and I'll just say Sanheim. Uh, insert- you threw in you threw in a March 3rd trade deadline yeah. nugget on, on the way to your Stanley I know. Cup final so, well, I want to make was, it a bold was, prediction. Wow. A bold prediction. Wow. Sanheim and the Oilers lose to the Rangers in the Cup final. But I just can't help but think that if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl get to a Stanley Cup final reasonably healthy, there's no yeah, way they lose the first Cup final they play in. So it's the Edmonton reporter thing that has me like stuck on picking the Oilers. So I guess I won't, but I think they might, especially if they get that left defenseman. How's that for a messy prediction, guys? Yeah, I just hope that Stu Skinner is healthy. <laughs> Oh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Wow. It's not like he's 37 years old, Jack Campbell. Greg's I'm a fan of Jack Campbell. Don't get me wrong. I, I am a fan. I hope it works out well. No, there are questions for sure. There's no question. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it'll be fun uh, to see. And the Rangers, and by the way, the Rangers, if they get to a cup final, uh, their roster won't be exactly the same either. Do they yeah. end up with a Patrick Kane? They got for space. Example? They got space. You know, do they? What move does Chris Jury make between now and March? Did you hear their fans last night? By the way, chanting "Igor's better." <laughs> Igor's better. It happened a couple of times through the game. Uh, I loved it. I'm not sure that's true, but he's really, really oh, close. Oh, man, what a goaltending duo that was last night. That's going to be so yeah. much fun to watch. All right, guys, that was the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Before we let you go, uh, we're introducing a new game. Dregs, I know you love my podcast gimmicks. I know it's it's why you joined me because you look so forward. Have you put it on a mug yet or a T-shirt or a cap or is that the next wave? (laughs) Coming to some swag near you. This one is called red card, yellow card, no card. I'm going to present a scenario for you guys. You decide whether or not that scenario receives a red card, a yellow card, or a no card. Let's do a practice one. Uh, Practice one. Here it is. Welcome to opening night of the 2022-23 NHL season. What's better than this? Good luck to all players. Let's have a great season. (laughs) I love the whistle at the end. Okay, practice round here. Dregs? Uh, Well, I'm going to assume red card um, means stop it, but don't abandon it. No would be, okay, just stop it entirely and never do it again. I don't know. Wow. Like define what is red. Well, it's soccer. No. It's from soccer. Red card. You're done. Yellow card. Hey, you've been warned. No card. You're oh, good. You're good. to go. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a red card for me. <laughs> I, I'm concerned about Dreg's uh, preparation for the whole cup of soccer on TSN. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our network <laughs> and no, that no thing. card was like, well, 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 if there's no card, there's no, there's no foul. No foul. Why are we even? Because, well, you'll right. see in the next example. So you're, you're okay. failing here in the, in the practice. Pierre, what do you got? I, I, I'm, I'm giving a red card, but to the NHL, not to Rooney, because okay. I think he's just following orders. <laughs> and I don't know how, I, I know that, I think you said Dreg's West McCauley, the star of the show, maybe would have done a better job. I probably agree. But, you're still reading off a script. Whose idea was it to read off a script like that? Like, come on. Yeah. So the red cards for the NHL. Yeah, I go yellow card. Uh, didn't love it. Don't hate it. Love the fact that they try stuff. Some of it's going to work. Some of it's not going to. Okay, that was a practice round. Here's the real round, guys. I was doing a podcast with Terry Ryan yesterday, Struds and I, and, and TR stood up, and we noticed that he had hockey pants on. And we were like, what is happening? Why are you – so he's doing a podcast in his living room, and he's got hockey pants and shin pads. He's got his gear on. He explained to us that when he plays shinny, 
He gets dressed at home, drives himself to the rink, goes in, throws on his skates, and goes and plays. Now, I mean, this blew my mind. Like, what adult dresses themselves at home and drives to the rink in hockey equipment? So I think you know I where I stand on my, this. My, my 11-year-old son did that yesterday, but we were pressed for time. That's why we were trying to save time before <laughs> the commute. But <laughs> I... I uh, I, like it's a yellow card because I, I don't want to bury TR entirely. Um, he might have family reasons for press time and, and he's just trying to be as efficient as he can, or maybe there's been some body shaming in that room and uh, oh, he's, he's not comfortable with it. <laughs> I don't know. Like he told us he'll actually take the long way to the rink. Like he enjoys it. He likes driving around in his gear. This is a total red card for me all day long. Like, unless your dad's driving you to the rink and you're picking up a Slurpee on the way, there is no need to get dressed at home and be driven to the rink. So red card for me. what it smells like in that car? Oh, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. I threw this out on Twitter. Uh, People helped us out a little bit. Uh, What do we got here? Mike77, capital letter says red card. Uh, Daniel Jacques says, I once drove through town in my goalie gear minus one pad to fit in the driver's side. Back-to-back games, different ends of town. Do what you got to do. All right, so he gives TR a pass. If TR shows up wearing anything, consider it a win. Signed, staff and customers of an unnamed bar in Fort St. John the night the Bentley Generals won the McKenzie Cup. (laughs) So TR, uh, the fact that he's wearing anything. Uh, What else we got here? We got a whole bunch of red card memes. Uh, red card all day long. So I don't know. This one seems pretty clear. Uh, Pierre, what did you decide on? I'm going to go yellow just because if he was pressed for time, I get it. But if it's actually something he just enjoys, generally speaking, then he's got a warning with the yellow card. (laughs) (laughs) Exception rather than the rule, but I have a locker in my garage. I can rent 7 a.m. ice for $25 an hour here in Rome, New York. Thanks for listening. Roll out of bed, 6.30, change in my locker, hop in the truck on the ice by 7. I am with you, TR. Okay, as you guys may or may not know, TR is the ultimate arbiter here on Got Your Back, so he explains himself in today's ultimate arbitration. When it comes to dressing at home for shinny hockey, as the ultimate arbiter, I call no card on the play. Shocking. While the decision may not be popular yet, it is completely logical and makes total sense. As hockey players, countless hours are spent putting on our equipment in a cold common room. I figure why not spend this time in the comfort of your own home? There's plenty of time to socialize after the skate and always bring a change of clothes so you have options. Final decision. Fellas, make more sense now, Drags? No, I, no, it doesn't. I'm not buying it. No. no. Yeah. I'm down on that. All right, couple of yellow cards and a uh, yellow cards and a and a red card here for TR getting dressed at home. All right, thanks guys. Appreciate you doing this, uh, putting up with NHL prognostications. I know it's just about our most hated thing at the start of every year, and we love when they're done and over with. So now we can start talking about what we actually see instead of what we might see. Doesn't stress me. I'm never right with my predictions, so I'm consistent. Dregs, you? How are you with this? Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> that's free. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, there was a time, you know, up until maybe the last few years. And that, that was one of the great things of Bob McKenzie. He just didn't care. He put in the work. He put in the work. But I don't care if people chirp me. I don't look at my replies and mentions and all the nonsense on social media anyway. So I, I, I got some angry Blue Jackets fans after me for my piece yesterday where I, I said Johnny Gujo might be one of the more disappointing players this year. I did notice and I that. Said, and I said he would still get about 95 points, which is a great year, but 115 points, changing teams, was on a great line in Calgary. 
I mean, the bar is set really high. My point was that I think it's going to be below that, but apparently Blue Jackets fans. Yeah, but your mistake was you should have said, look, I pulled 17 general managers and they all agree that Johnny Goodrow is going to be Everybody agrees with me. I'm right. Everybody agrees with me. So I should have have given myself some backing is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Appreciate this. Thank you kindly. Uh, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft is on the way on the other side of the break. You're listening to Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog and Drager. Uh, Brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. Time now for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security. Liberty Smart Security is a company that specializes in having your back. They've got high-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or for your business. They use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life. And your life and your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Visit libertysecurity.com. I have been using a Liberty Smart Security System to take care of my family, my property for the last six years. And it's just a great company with a great product. Highly intuitive, uh, very easy to use, simple if you want it to be, or it can be really advanced for the more advanced users as well. Uh, They've got cameras, doorbell cameras. You can keep an eye on all different parts of your property. If you want it to be simple and just arm it when you leave and disarm it when you get back, uh, it's real simple for people that want it to be that way. And a, a, a monitored security system, uh, since we've had one, I wouldn't have it any other way. So check out libertysecurity.ca. All right, today on the segment, we're really happy to be joined by Edmonton Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft, entering into the first full season as a National Hockey League head coach. We all saw what he was able to get done with this team when he took over for Dave Tippett. Partway through last season, immediate improvements in the team in a number of different ways, and he's going to look to build on those as he heads in to the 22-23 season. Presented by Liberty Smart Security, in conversation with Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Well, Jay, I know it's about as busy a time of year as you can get, so we really appreciate you taking some time uh, from preparations for the season opener to, uh, to chat with Pierre and I. Uh, is this the most hours that you put in during the year is, is prepping for game number one? Is it as heavy as it gets? Well, I think, uh, working your way through a NHL training camp, you spend a lot of hours and, uh, it usually includes day trips where you're playing on the road and getting back late at night and having, uh, to get ready these last few days, you know, our last game was on Friday night. So we had a family day here in Edmonton where it was just kind of, get the players moving type of practice and then had a lot of the families in. And then the last two have, have been about fine tuning, getting our game ready. I think um, we feel confident in our preparation, but we're ready to take the test tomorrow night. Yeah. I'll jump in here again. You mentioned family. One of the things I noticed when you arrived, Jay, is there was more family in and around the arena, in and around the locker room, uh, in and around the media room. They were even coming to listen. Sometimes it was your family, Mike Smith's kids, It just really felt to me, not that they didn't prioritize or do it before, but it just really felt to me like you put a huge priority on welcoming the families in. Am I I right about that? Well, I, I think uh, maybe, yeah. I only know my experience, but uh, we, we try and involve our families. I mean, listen, we're, we're at a job um, that everybody loves and, and it's, a, it's a great life. But one of the sacrifices that people are involved in at this, the highest level is that you're away from your family a lot. Um, so as a coach, I want to you know, try and create the atmosphere where families feel welcome to come into the room, um, where families feel appreciated and uh, are, are an extension 
of our our team and um, to let them know that we appreciate um, them sharing their husband or their their fathers with us. And, um, you know, I think anytime you bring young kids into the room or, um, you know, significant others in for lunch, that type of thing, what it does is it creates a little bit of energy. And I think there are times uh, during a long season when um, that's beneficial to the group as a whole. And so uh, it's just something that we try and encourage here. And uh, it's, it's fun for me as a coach um, to get to meet everybody's families. You know, Jay, about a year ago, I remember talking to Daryl Sutter just down the highway from you, and he was talking about the impact of actually having an offseason and training camp with his team as opposed to having taken over midway through the prior season, which is what happened with you midway prior last year, uh, taken over, and now you've had the offseason and the training camp. And I was reading in Daniel Nugent-Bowman's story about you taking some time to meet some of your players this summer in Ontario with some face-to-face meetings. What's that been like? Like, if you could tell fans what that means in terms of an impact for a coach to actually have a proper offseason with your team as opposed to parachuting in. Yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, obviously, the way things happened last year, uh, it happened so quick. It was tough to just catch your breath uh, for Dave Manson and I when we came up in, at the beginning of February there. And the, the nature of the schedule at the time was such that there was very few practice days. So we had to be um, very selective, almost surgical in what we chose to put our emphasis or import on. Um, I think as coaches, you're just naturally hardwired to want to affect every, every little part of your team game. Um, but we had to be, as I said, selective in, in what we chose to focus on. I think now um, after having the end of the year that we had, the playoff run that we had, uh, try to use my summertime um, to genuinely reflect on um, the areas that might need improvement uh, going forward. Uh, I spent a lot of time on on what was current in the NHL in terms of you know tactics that were having success, and then uh, I think you build a training camp plan around uh, some of those ideas and then also uh, depending on what your personnel looks like and so I really enjoyed uh, this summer I I was able to get away for a little bit I think that stimulates the mind helps relax you get you out of your environment and then um, you take a a lot of the the work that you did in the summer and you apply it in this training camp I, I had a great time over the last three and a half weeks I'm quite pleased with the amount of work that was put in um you know, and uh, I'm going to continue to be impressed by our players because they're the ones who will go out there and execute it. Yeah, well, and we'll get to the on-ice product in a minute here. I, I've always been interested, Jay, in the level of detail that you seem to pay attention to and to keep track of. I wonder, take us behind the scenes a little bit and give us a sense for what your note-taking looks like and what you have access to because of years and years, 17, 18 years, of keeping meticulous notes, just how detailed are they? They're pretty detailed. Uh, I, you know what? I have one open on my desk right now. You know, it's just a habit that I picked up in Detroit, and our coaching staff there did. And you know, I just take a lot of lot of notes, and there, there are things that um, allow me to uh, keep a record of what's happening uh, during that year or during that time in my life. Uh, as a coach and what I was thinking with, what I was wrestling with, uh, how I came up with different types of solutions. Um, and, you know, for me, it's a, it's a reference point. You mentioned that you have a bunch of years. I'm just looking on my shelf right now. I could, I could look at any year I, I wanted. Um, and how often do you refer back? I, quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. If I'm just sitting and I have some downtime, I might flip through it and and it might spark an idea that um, I wasn't currently thinking of, but it is apropos to something that's going on with your team at that time. So I, I just think it, it's a good personal habit for young coaches uh, um, to have. I, and it just allows me to go back and and have a record of, of what was happening with your team at that time. And I find it it's a it's a good thing for me. It might not work for everybody, but I know I'm thankful that I picked up that habit early uh, during my career in Detroit. 
You know, I, I think back at the time I was in Edmonton last spring, uh, uh, Jay, and, you know, Battle of Alberta, which for me personally was so exciting to cover for the first time in my career playoff-wise, and your team grabbing that moment and and performing at its absolute best from number 97 on down. And then certainly after that achievement, turning around and having a really tough series with Colorado in the in the Western Final. How do you balance what was gained from that Battle of Alberta experience, which people remember for a long time, versus the lessons that have to be learned from the way Colorado turned the tables on you? Well, I like the word you use there, balance. Um, and, you know, I would even go back to the first series with uh, the LA Kings. Everyone, I think, painted it as uh, David and Goliath. But realistically, we only finished four points ahead of uh, Los Angeles right. uh, during the season. In fact, um, when Dave and I came up from Bakersfield, we were well behind the Los Angeles Kings. So, uh, you know, that team, they pushed us in a way that forced us to grow. Um, it was a tough series. We took a lot of lessons out of that. We go into the Battle of Alberta. We get, I think we gave up eight or nine goals in, in the first game. So it didn't go according to plan, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but, you know, what I was impressed with as that series wore on was that our, our players dug in and found a way. It might not always have been pretty. It certainly wasn't uh you know, the type of uh, defensive hockey that you might normally see in a lot of playoff series. But our players dug in and found a way to win each each of the next four games in different fashion. So I was proud of them there. I think when you go in and you look at that Colorado series, you know, we lost. Uh, we lost that series. Uh, they swept us four games to nil. Um, but if you if you dive a little deeper, I think three of the four games – were one goal games. There, there might be a empty net goal here or there, uh, but there were one goal hockey games. So that meant that you're right there. But when you went from a hundred point team, essentially in the LA Kings, and then you elevate to beat a 110 point team in the Calgary Flames. And then now you're being tasked with taking on what is essentially a 120 point team. The margins get get very small, almost razor thin. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens when you soberly take a second look at that series, you see that there, there's moments where we can be better. There's things that we can do uh, in order to be better. But we can't lose sight of the fact that we were very close. I, I think of game, game three here at home. It was a tie game late into the third period. We get a power play. Uh, it's a great power play. We end up hitting the post. And as soon as we hit the post, the player comes out of the bench. I think it was Confer, and he comes down and he scores a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, game over. So, but that's how razor thin the margins are, uh, especially as as you you play deeper and deeper into the playoffs. So I like the word you use, Pierre, because you use the word balance. I think you have to uh, honestly look at each series, honestly look at the lessons learned in each series and have a balanced look of, you know, how can we get better out of this? And I can tell you as a coaching staff, that's what we try to do here this summer. I want to ask you about Connor McDavid, the hockey world, I think on the heels of Matthews getting 60 and winning the heart, the hockey world seems to be wondering on mass if McDavid is going to hit 50 this year. We've asked him, he kind of brushes it off. He doesn't want to put targets on it. And I won't ask you necessarily if you think he'll hit 50, but do you sense any difference in the goal scoring hunger of Connor McDavid today than in other seasons where you've been around him, uh, whether it was before as an assistant or, or even last year? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, he's got a winning hunger and uh, he, he is driven, driven to win. And I'm confident that um, if the play to be made is for him to shoot, He's going to take the shot. If the play to be made and he thinks it's to to pass in a certain situation, he'll he'll make the pass. And most times, it's it's the right decision. He's the best player in the world. Um, I don't think he what drives him are um, you know benchmarks of fifty goals or a hundred points. I think uh, where he's at in his career is um, he's trying to help the Edmonton Oilers uh, move the needle forward and uh, trying to help us win. And uh, when I say that, you know, I think he's driven by winning his last game of the season. That's what he wants. Um, and so all that other stuff, it's nice. It's, it's, 
you know, he's proud of it, I'm sure, but what lights his fire is, is trying to captain his team uh, to ultimate success. Well, I'll tell you what, seeing Nathan McKinnon's reaction on the ice after the last game of the season last year, that's what those types of players are driven for is that moment. And, uh, and you go through a lot of angst before you get there, no question about it. Now, two weeks in a row where my background here in my home office has, uh, has been noticed by our guest. Last week, Paul Maurice, <laughs> who started his coaching career in the NHL in Hartford, wanted to talk about the Whalers logo. Caught off your air, eye, too. <laughs> off air, you, you noticed it right away, too. Share, share with us and our audience what, what you wanted to say about the Whalers logo. Well, first of all, I'll tell you this. Uh, I have nothing but a ton of respect for Paul Maurice. He's someone, he'd be someone I'd call in the summer times to talk hockey with, and he's been more than generous with his time, and he's, I'm proud to call him a friend. So uh, that's good that I was able to follow his lead um, without being told that, I guess. Uh, but I saw your logo, and you and I were just shooting the breeze off the air there where uh, we were talking about uh, the history of that logo. And I, I actually shared uh, with Ryan uh, last year a book I was reading um, where uh, the focus was on, it's called The Eye Test. It's about the, the need for human creativity in an age of analytics. I think that's the name of it. It's by a Canadian author. And... Um, I was reading that and in it is a chapter all about uh, the person who's responsible for coming up with that, that logo and how it was one person's creativity that led to it and how it's widely regarded as one of the most beloved in all of sports. Yeah, it's a beauty. Honestly, beauty. never thought that would come up today. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, haven't had a chance to read that book, Jay, by the way. I, I decided to start a podcast instead, so I haven't had any time. Uh, listen, last one before we let you go. The name of our podcast is Got Your Back because we love to hear stories from people about a time in their life where maybe somebody had their back a little bit or someone came through for them. So when I put that question to Jay Woodcroft, uh, what comes to mind for you? I Got Your Back story. Well, I think um, for me, it's always been about family, having your back. They're, they're the people that you can rely on the most. I think, um, you know, uh, my mom uh, was a huge uh, influence in my life and, and in all of our lives. Uh, three hockey playing sons who all went on uh, to university educations and then future careers as, as coaches. Um, she was a real rock. She had a grace about her. Um, she's comfortable in any room uh, that she walked in, uh, walked into, and uh, certainly the rock in our family. So if I was going uh, anywhere with who had my back, I know that uh, my mom was always there. And then, you know, as you get older and and you meet your significant other, certainly my wife, Jackie, uh, and my kids, uh, you know, are just you know, people that are sources of energy for me. And uh, I know that if I ever need anything, that uh, certainly my my wife and children will be there and they'll have my back. Well, I know it's been a big, uh, I'll call it an improvement, having them with you. Because when you came up last year, I know you had to spend long periods of time without them. It must be so much better coaching when you got the family at home. Well, yeah, you know what? I think uh, what your family does is... Um, there's certainly a grounding wire for you. Yeah. When you walk in the building or your home, um, they're the ones that uh, keep you in check in a great way. But also, it, um, I think, it keeps life in perspective as well. Um, you know, you might you might have a tough day at the office or you might have lost a big game. And when you come home and and you see that your kids, uh, the only thing they care about is, is seeing you and hanging out with you and uh, – uh, I think that puts a bigger, bigger picture spin on things. And I'm thankful that I have a great family here and that they are with me here in Edmonton. Great stuff, Jay. Really appreciate you squeezing some time in for us. I know how busy you are. Uh, best of luck, and we'll see you down at the rink. Thanks for having me on, guys. I sincerely appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. All right, and lastly today, we check in with our good friend, longtime hockey scribe Scott Burnside, who answers the question, is it time for the Stanley Cup to finally come north of the border once again? It's been a long, long time. There's definitely contenders up here, so will it happen? Here, straight to the point. All right, so NHL season underway. Is this the year? Oh, Canada. Is that how it ends? Mm, or is it more, whoa, Canada? I love the enthusiasm in 
Edmonton and Calgary about their chances of breaking the Canadian Stanley Cup hex uh, and whatever passes for enthusiasm in Toronto. I'm sure there's some of it there. But we are going back to 1993, the last time a Canadian team won a Stanley Cup. And it's mind-boggling to think that the drought has lasted that long. Seven Canadian teams, uh, so much interest in the game in Canada, and, and yet no team ever getting to the top. And in fact, since 2008, just two Canadian finalists, one Vancouver in 2011 and a little asterisk beside Montreal in 2021 when they had to have the Canadian uh, division because of COVID. Um, and the bottom line is, I don't think there's a Canadian team this year that really has the goods to win a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, Montreal's at a different place in their evolutionary scale. Uh, but those other six Canadian teams, I think, have, you could make a legitimate case for, if not making the playoffs, then playing meaningful games well into 2023, heading up to the trade deadline. And Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto are locks to make the playoffs. But what is this, the uh, unifying question about those three teams? Is the goaltending good enough? Jacob Markstrom finished second in Vezina Trophy uh, voting last year. And yet when his Calgary Flames faced Edmonton in the second round, he allowed 24 goals in five games. That's not very good. So can he elevate his game? Jack Campbell, is he the guy in Edmonton? Love that team. Is Jack Campbell the guy? Can he get that team to the promised land? He couldn't get Toronto out of the first round. No one has since 2004. And so the Leafs, uh, odd uh, building process to have your goaltending get progressively worse year after year. And now Kyle Dubas, the GM there, turns to Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. Maybe those guys can uh, catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, Matt Murray, of course, two times Stanley Cup winner. Maybe he gets back to that level. Bottom line is the goaltending's not good enough. And the bottom line is you can start the season, oh, Canada, but I still see it ending, whoa, Canada. That'll do it for the podcast, folks. Big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals, our title sponsor. Of course, Pro Hockey Life, a big part of the show, and Liberty Smart Security as well. Thank you for your downloads and your subscriptions. Uh, let's get her going tonight, north of the border. A bunch of great matchups in the National Hockey League. Pierre and I may check in a little bit later on in the week to recap the things that we have seen. And for sure, we will be back next Wednesday with another full edition of Got Your Back NHL Edition, LeBron and Rashad. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us, folks. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Cheers.